Welcome to Amped Up with Proud Resistor. This is progressive activist Ryan Knight. And I'm Chris Lavoy of The Stephanie Miller Show. And we got a big guest today. Yeah, we do. Uh, please welcome Glenn Kirshner to the show. He is an MSNBC legal analyst and a 30-year formal federal prosecutor. Glenn, welcome to Amped Up. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Happy to be with you guys. Yeah, so look, we're, we're four days in, to, or five days into the impeachment trial of the president of the United States. And while the first few days were dominated by Mitch McConnell's total disregard for impartial justice and having witnesses at trial, the past few days, Adam Schiff has totally stole the show. He laid out the case masterfully using facts, evidence, and even confessions out of Trump's own mouth to prove that the president of the United States abused his power to cheat and gain an advantage in the 2020 election. As a former prosecutor yourself, Glenn, what are your thoughts on Adam Schiff's performance over the past two days? Uh, you know, I thought Schiff was masterful. He was stirring. Um, he is as persuasive and an oral advocate as I ever encountered in my 30 years in courtrooms and appellate courts. So, um, you know, and, and I, I some people were complaining that, well, you know, he's saying the same thing over and over again. You know, there was definitely some repetition but I didn't see it as redundant because, you know, there are a lot of nuances in this. And they tried to sort of break it down into what the president did before, what he did during, what he did after. We're now going to get into the obstruction of Congress and, frankly, obstruction of justice by the president, which was rampant and continues to be rampant, covering up his crimes and the crimes of his administration. So I, I actually don't think the repetitive was a bad thing because unlike a lot of us who have been sitting in studios watching hours and hours and hours every day of what's been going on on the Senate floor, I don't think most Americans are spending that kind of time watching these arguments. I think they probably drop in, watch an hour, drop out. Maybe they catch some online. But you know what? They actually have lives. They're, you know, working. They're doing shift work. They're picking up their kids from school. They're, you know, they're not probably not glued to the TV for 8, 10, 12 hour stretches. So I think the fact that there was some repetitiveness and we heard, you know, in a couple of different ways, what this criminal and abusive president has been doing, I think was a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, that's a really good point too, about how, you know, everyday voters and everyday Americans don't marinate in this stuff like we do. Uh, you know, there was, there was a point I thought that was, was really, was very compelling when, uh, Jerry Nadler, he started breaking out the slides, you know, like the old fashioned right. PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. And, and there was one slide that I, that I just thought was perfect because it's, we're finally getting the, the talking points. You know how the GOP drills in the same talking point over and over, or, or as Donald Trump did in his campaign, you know, make America great again. And he just repeats it over and over. There was a slide and I, I wrote this down cause I thought it was so effective. Uh, the slide was how Trump violated the ABCs of high crimes and misdemeanors. And A is abuse of power, B is betrayal of the nation, and C is corruption of elections. And I thought, you know, God, it was laid out so simple and right. clear that even these Republican senators and even Trump supporters can understand that, right? And that's what you have to do. You have to sort of vary. You have to change it up because if you're just talking for three hours, you will lose even the most attentive audience. So I thought Nadler's slides were good. I thought Hakeem Jeffries had some brilliant slides, some brilliant visuals. One of them, I recall, was he put up on the screen all impeachments. I think there were 15 impeachment trials 
um, that have been conducted in the Senate, and he listed the number of witnesses called in each one, mm. and then he averaged them out, and he told us all the average number of witnesses called in Senate impeachment trials in this country, 33 witnesses. Wow. How in the world are we going to have a trial with zero witnesses, zero documents, zero evidence? You know, a trial without witnesses, is it's like a... A school without teachers, it, it ain't one. <laughs> right. So, you know, hopefully the arguments in favor of witnesses will win the day. Yeah, I agree. You know, there was also a slide from Representative Lofgren uh, that I thought was very impactful. Uh, and she used the slide to drill down uh, on how Trump abused his power and executed his corrupt scheme through three official actions. And this is what they really focused on. Number one, solicit by soliciting a foreign by soliciting foreign interference. Number two, by conditioning on a, an official White House meeting on, um, on Ukraine announcing an investigation into the Bidens. Right. And number three, by withholding the military aid to pressure Ukraine to announce an investigation into the Bidens. Again, it was just, it was like one, two, three, and they just kind of gave it to us. Yeah, it's so methodical. It's really, really impressive how well they're doing that. It is. And here's the only thing I wish they would include that I haven't seen them do yet. Because when we talk about soliciting foreign interference and congressionally appropriated defense funds to Ukraine, you know, not every American is following along. That's not an insult. But mm. I wish they would give us a, just a couple of analogies mm. to, to drive home to the American people and to put a visual in their mind's eye about one why what Trump did was wrong, and two, why Trump's attorney's arguments, particularly that, well, Zelensky felt no pressure, and Trump delivered the aid eventually anyway. People hear that, it's like, oh, well, then maybe it wasn't a big deal. Here is uh, just one basic analogy that I think everybody can grab hold of and appreciate. Let's assume that I want to build a deck on the back of my little two-family house because I need some place to grill my burgers and my hot dogs, right? Yep. So what do I need to do? I need a building permit. I go down to my county zoning office. I go up to the county zoning commissioner and I say, hey, uh, Mr. Commissioner, I want to build a deck. I need a permit. Can you issue me one? And he says, oh, sure, I'll, I'll issue you a permit, but I want you to do me a favor, though. I want a thousand bucks. Mm. He, try, he tries to solicit a bribe. Now, mm. I'm the homeowner. If I say, you know what, Mr. Commissioner, I don't feel any pressure to give you that thousand bucks. You're not pressuring me. And then I go home and two days later, I see in the mail that the county commissioner has um, sent me a permit. So what did he do? He released the permit without the bribe ever being consummated. Let me tell you, when you solicit a bribe as a government official, just like Trump did of Zelensky, yep. the crime is complete at the ask. Mm. It's consummated at the ask and it is concluded at the ask. There doesn't have to be pressure felt by the person you're trying to get something out of. And it doesn't matter if you later deliver that thing you were wrongfully withholding in the first instance. That's why that puts the crime in concrete terms to what Trump did. And it shoots down in concrete terms the BS claims of Trump's attorney that Zelensky had to feel pressure or because Trump released the funds. Ultimately, there's no crime. There's no abuse. There's no impeachable offense. Um, so give people that mm. visual. Give them something to grab onto and say, you know, that sounds more 
um, relatable than congressionally appropriated defense funds being withheld because you know what? Human beings don't speak that way. Lawyers speak that way. Mm. Politicians speak that way. And, you know, they ain't all human beings. We need to appeal to the real world Americans that are trying to figure out, do we, you know, convict this corrupt president? Yeah, well, well said. You know, I, I want to shift gears because there was a very disturbing uh, report last night uh, out of CBS News uh, that, that I need to get your take on and that we need to talk yeah. about. Uh, yeah. the, the report is that GOP senators were warned by Trump's team, and I quote, vote against the president and your head will be on a pike. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, I mean, this is so outrageous that I had to fact check it about five times before I could believe that it was true. And of course it is true. And then, yeah. but the second thought out of my head was like, well, wait a second. Of course this is what they're doing because this is exactly how the Trump administration has been operating. They operate like a crime ring. They operate like, like the mob. Like the mob. And, you know, because you're a formal prosecutor, you're the perfect guest right, to have on the right. show today. Uh, so I've got two questions for you, Glenn. Number one, isn't threatening a juror a crime? Yeah. Threatening a juror is a crime. Communicating a threat, period, whether you're a juror or not, is a crime. Mm. Um, and it also constitutes obstructing justice because you're trying to tamper with the jurors as they are mid-trial, so to speak. It's a little bit of a farce calling this thing a trial. But it is probably a good four or five separate felony federal offenses that he committed. Now, will the Republicans turn a blind eye to this the way they do to everything else? How in the world could they? Um, they probably will. But, it, I mean, if that is not dictator-ish, threatening the jurors in your with death in your own case that is ongoing, I, I don't know what is. And, you know, when is enough enough? I, I have no idea. Right. I mean, as a 30-year former prosecutor, isn't this the kind of threat that you would see from the mob? Yeah. You know, what does it tell you that it's, a, it's, a, it's coming from the president of the United States team? No, the mob is more subtle and thoughtful and <laughs> smart and circumspect yeah. than Donald Trump and his <laughs> criminal associates. You're absolutely right, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. And what does it say, though, that, like, we're at the point, I mean... I kind of like to look at the whole big picture, right? I mean, it's we've now gone from, you know, in 2015, 2016 when he was campaigning and leading lock her up chants to now we're literally at he they're threatening to put Republicans heads on on pikes if they vote I'm against him. I'm hoping metaphorically. But right, but I mean like how I, I just I keep saying to myself like America's descent into fascism it was so swift that most people probably missed it, right? Like and Trump can't do it on his own. He's doing right. it with the complicity of Attorney General Bill Barr yeah. because Thank any you. others, any self-respecting, law-enforcing Attorney General would see heads on pikes and or a statement about heads mm -hmm. on pikes and would immediately have the FBI open a criminal investigation into the person who was communicating that threat, tampering with the witnesses, obstructing justice in that way. And that person, you know what? You could put together an affidavit in support of an arrest warrant, which is what we present to a judge when we're trying to lock somebody up, because that is probable cause plus what Trump just said and did. And the man ought to, and you know, I don't like lock him up chance. That's not the way our criminal justice system is supposed to work. But, you know, he should be locked up 10 times over at this point.
is there a workaround around Bill Barr? I mean, can, is there anything we can do? Because uh, we can't depend on Bill Barr to bring ch any charges like that. The answer is probably not. There are uh. only two. There are only two possible remedies. Okay. One, state charges. If some strong, bold state district attorney or state's attorney or commonwealth's attorney, mm -hmm. depending on what jurisdiction you're in, would bring criminal charges against Donald Trump for any crimes committed in that state, in that jurisdiction, that is one workaround. The second workaround is, I would say, the minute the, uh, ha the, the Senate votes on these articles of impeachment, they need to launch a, an impeachment inquiry in the House against Bill Barr. Because this, you know, in a civilized society, in a society where law and order means anything, this can't be tolerated because we have a runaway lawless attorney general. Right. And what does it say, though, about these Republican senators that now we're at a point where, you know, they put up with all of Trump's corruption and now they're literally their lives are being threatened and they're still not doing anything like how I mean, are they are they scared of what's going to be revealed about them? Are they that in bed with what happened in 2016 with Russia's interference and with money that was coming in from, you know, Russian oligarchs? Like, what is it? Why are they so afraid to stand up to this president, especially now with their that they're being threatened by him? It's got to be some combination of um, very, very, very weak willed human beings. Um, but then they're also. You know, it must be a concern that if they go against Trump, they lose his base and they may not win re-election. And then, you know, com compromise, so to speak, is always a possibility. Mm. I wouldn't accuse any senator of being compromised by, for example, dirty Russian money that was funneled through the NRA mm. into their campaign coffers. Uh. Uh, did some of that go on? It may very well have. Can I say we have concrete evidence of it that's been disclosed to us? No. And, you know, also the hack of the RNC servers. We've never heard anything about what Russia got out of the RNC servers. Right. But I can bet there is so much at a minimum reckless talk and perhaps worse that Russia is holding on to that if released um, would perhaps destroy some of these Republicans. I think it's a combination of all of these things possibly at play. Mm, mm. Well, <sighs> I mean, well said. Uh, just, yeah, okay, uh, pardon my French, but it kind of sounds like we're fucked. <laughs> uh, a little bit, a little bit. Oh but, you know, it's not, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. And the way I see it, you know, the, the trial is rigged, so the outcome is already uh, has been determined. It almost makes me want to say, and this is counterintuitive to the career prosecutor I, I am, I almost want to say, you know what, vote against witnesses, because then there's not a person in the country who will um, believe mm -hmm. that this was anything but a complete sham rigged trial. And you will pay dearly come November 2020 yep. if you try to pretend like you had a trial without witnesses, documents or evidence. Now, I don't I can't quite bring myself to get there because I feel like. The American people deserve witnesses. They deserve the Boltons and the Pompeos and the Mulvaney's to expose what's being, you know, what has been done by this criminal organization that is the Trump organization, uh, Trump administration. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a 50-50 proposition at this point, though, as to whether we will see witnesses or not. And if we don't, that might even inure to the Democrats' benefit in the long run more than if we do. Yeah, I agree. That's actually part of our last segment. So I will, I'm going to skip right along to our next yeah. one. Um, another significant development this week is that we got another confession from Trump. 
while he was in Davos at the World Economic Forum, he told reporters that we have all the documents. The Democrats have nothing. Uh, just a reminder to our listeners, Trump was impeached for abuse of power and obstructing Congress in the House. And he already confessed to the first article of impeachment, if you remember, member on the White House lawn yep. by the choppers. Yep. And yep. now he just blatantly confessed to the second article of his impeachment, obstruction of Congress. Glenn, this is so brazen. He is throwing his corruption in our faces because he knows that the Republicans will protect him. For me, yeah. this speaks to how far past normal we are and how corrupt the Republican Party is for allowing this to go on and allowing Trump to get away with these crimes. Uh, you tweeted something about this a, a few days ago. I thought it was perfect, so I want to read it. Uh, you tweeted, let's be clear. This is the president bragging about his obstruction of Congress. It's no different than a defendant charged with murder saying, I got rid of the body and the prosecutors will never find it. <laughs> Yeah. And I was a homicide prosecutor for 22 of my 30 years in Washington, including chief of homicide responsible for overseeing all murder cases in the district. That was the first thing to came, that came to my mind when he is being impeached and tried for withholding wrongfully, unlawfully withholding evidence, documents, witnesses. And then he stands up and says, I'm withholding all of the evidence, documents and witnesses. <laughs> the Dems have nothing. That's like a, that's exactly like a murderer saying, ha ha ha, I hid the body I killed and you can't find it. So you can't charge me with murder. The reality is prosecutors charge people with murder and they use those kind of statements as hard evidence against the perpetrator. So right. this well, is I, hard evidence against Donald Trump that he's guilty of Article 2. Absolutely. Well, and Adam Schiff used his first confession that he made on the White House lawn. He played it. Yeah. He played yeah. it in the impeachment trial and used Trump's own confession as evidence. And I thought yeah. that was a brilliant move from Schiff. Um, you know, but just kind of stepping back, this is now the second confession that we have of Donald Trump on yeah. tape and still Republicans do nothing. Glenn, yeah. at this point, how complicit is the Republican Party? They're, they're criminally complicit. And here's why I say that. I don't mm. say it cavalierly. And I know Elizabeth Warren just came out recently and said, yep. we will need a commission to get after all these wrongdoers mm -hmm. come uh, January 2021. Um, I have been preaching for some time, um, hopefully not yelling into the void, the need for what I've called the Trump Crimes Commission, the TCC. And it will be an independent, truly bipartisan commission that will look at all crimes that have been, been committed by Trump by his family members, by his administration officials, and by members of Congress, because there's a law on the federal books called accessory after the fact. And every time a congressman, a senator stands up and says Trump has committed no crime against the United States, there is no reasonable piece of evidence that supports that conclusion. So what that statement is, and this is going to sound radical, is the federal offense of accessory after the fact, which simply says, mm. if you know somebody committed an offense against the United States, which Trump did in Helsinki mm -hmm. when he said, I side with Putin over my own intelligence in, uh, uh, organizations. Yep. When you know somebody has committed a, a crime against the United States and you do anything to assist him, to uh, try to make sure he's not held accountable, not punished, to help him get away with it. That's a federal crime, accessory after the fact. And I'm, I'm sorry, but members of the administration, members of Trump's family, and members of Congress 
are committing that crime every day and they need to be held accountable. We need to have a Trump Crimes Commission that is equal parts Nuremberg trials and Truth and Reconciliation Commission and every and we need to look in this is not hyperbole. This is law and order and justice. We need to look into every confirmation hearing uh, testimony by the Brett Kavanaugh's and every unqualified judge that testified and lied to get themselves on the bench as McConnell was cramming unqualified judges down the throats of the American people. Let the FBI investigate, expose those lies, and then we get rid of those unqualified judges. All of this has to be done. No bygones speak bygones, no turning the other cheek, no putting the long national nightmare behind us with pardons. We can't do it again or we're done as a republic. Yeah, look, I agree with you. I thought Elizabeth Warren was so bold to come out and say that she'd have, uh, you know, an independent DOJ uh, task force to, you know, investigate the corruption during the Trump administration and to hold officials accountable for illegal activity. I mean, this to me is the most important issue in 2020 because we cannot allow the corruption of the Trump administration to go unpunished because yeah. just look back at history. History has shown us from all the way back from to, from Nixon to Reagan to Bush, you know, with the war crimes, and now to Trump. When Republican administrations get away with breaking the law, the cycle of lawlessness continues. And we yeah. have to break the cycle. And the only way to do that is by holding people accountable. Yeah, because if you just impeach him and remove him, all you're doing is firing him from yeah, a job. And right. frankly, he will make even more money when he leaves office. So there has to be actual accountability in our courts if we are to deter this kind of conduct in the future. Because if we don't punish it, if we don't get after it, then other politicians will say, you know what? The entire Trump administration got away with it. We're going to do it, too, because there's no way they're going to hold us accountable. Absolutely. Well, and that's where when we don't have law and order for our government officials and for our president, we are no longer essentially a democracy and we slip into what's called kleptocracy, where people become politicians not to benefit the American people, but to benefit themselves, right? Yep. And that's exactly what we saw Trump doing with this Ukraine scheme, right? He was benefiting himself, not looking out for the interests of the American people and the interest of our national security, right? And that strikes at the heart of what we're dealing with with this administration. And it has got to stop, right? The first three words in the Constitution are we the people. And nothing about Trump's administration or this Republican Party is about we the people. It's about we themselves and we their power and we what can they get for themselves. We've just gone so far past any kind of normal here. Yeah. And um, the, the silver lining lurking behind this enormous dark cloud is that I, you know, if we thought the midterms in 2018 were something of a blue wave, we ain't seen nothing yet. Because yep. by all of Trump's shenanigans and lawlessness and abuses, what I'm confident of is he is not gaining one single solitary person in his base, but he is losing people. Yep. Even the, some of the people who loved him for his tax cuts um, he's losing these people over time. So as long as we have free and fair elections and we guard against Russian interference into our actual voting systems, then I think he is going to get so crushed in November of 2020 and then come 2021, and I know we can't get into pardons and all of that, but then come 2021, it's on. And not for partisan reasons and not for vindictiveness or payback, 
we have to criminally investigate every last one of these mopes and hold yeah. them accountable. Yep. And just because so we can stop this lawlessness, right? We don't yeah. want this to continue. Uh, look, I want to shift real quick and, and ask you about process because, and specifically about Chief Justice John Roberts' role in the impeachment trial. Because right now it's clear that Mitch McConnell is running the show and preventing witnesses from testifying. But is this what our founders wanted? If we go to the Constitution, it says in Article 1, Section 2, when the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside. In other words, McConnell is not mentioned in the Constitution, but Chief Justice John Roberts is. So the Chief Justice of the United States is supposed to preside over the trial, not the majority leader. So why isn't it up to Roberts to decide whether witnesses shall appear? Yeah, it's hard to explain other than there is no real guidance in the Constitution itself uh, as to what preside means. We know what it means in the context of a criminal trial. Um, So I think over time, the Senate, not surprisingly, has grabbed as much power for itself in the impeachment calculus, and that's why we are where we are. I understand Chief Justice Roberts doesn't want to look partisan. That's actually very important. But I don't think he's exercised any control over the proceedings. And, you know, different friends of mine who are legal analysts, I was just talking with Chuck Rosenberg about this. We have different views of it. I think because he's lost control of the proceedings, because he hasn't insisted on even forcing the senators to comply with their own rules that they set, which is you got to be there and listen to the, uh, you know, the, the. statements, even if it's not considered evidence at this point, you have to remain. You're a juror. You know, I can tell you in 30 years of trying cases, if there was a juror absent from the box, if there were 11 people in the box instead of 12, we didn't utter one word. We didn't conduct one second of the trial. Right. The whole jury has to be there to listen to the whole dang thing as long as it takes and as boring as it may be at times. So I'm disappointed that Chief Justice Roberts has exercised zero control to even make them follow their own rules. I do think moving forward, there will be an opportunity um, for the House managers to actually make a motion, make motions to Chief Justice Roberts for, let's say, they move to have John Bolton produced as a witness. And let's assume Chief Justice Roberts grants that motion. 51 senators can overrule that. And if they do, that will be 51% uh, 51 of the senators covering up Trump's crimes, plain and simple. So let's see how that plays out. I hope Justice Roberts asserts himself not in a partisan way, but in a way that actually takes some control of the proceedings and doesn't continue to allow them to be the mockery that they have been. Yeah, well said. You know, the thing the thing that the Republicans do that drives me crazy, though, is like they make things that aren't partisan, like having witnesses at a trial. That's not partisan. Right. And if you look at the polling, over 75 percent of the American people want there to be witnesses at the trial. And so it's like they're they're trying to make things partisan that aren't even partisan. Yeah. 51% 51% of me right now says we'll probably see some witnesses, but mm. I've been fooled. I've been fooled before. So <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be realistically optimistic, but we'll, we'll see. Right. You, you know, there's also reports that coming out that Republican senators are annoyed because they aren't hearing anything new in the trial. <sighs> uh, Glenn, if Republicans want to hear something new, then why don't they just vote to have witnesses? Because then they will hear something new. <laughs> we can't credit anything they say. They're speaking out of both sides. Exactly. Of the and they know yeah. it. And they and you know what? They get away with one soundbite one day and one soundbite the next day. And people may not care to pay attention when we try to put those two soundbites together because they're already on to the third contradiction. So, you know, we just can't credit what they say. Right. Um, 
we're kind of near the near in the end here, but uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of feedback from people online who are concerned that the fix is in, uh, that the trial is a sham and therefore doesn't matter. But I see it differently. This trial matters because it not only exp- it's not only exposing Trump's abuse of power, but it's also exposing the complicity of the entire Republican Party. And we, the voters, will remember that in November. Uh, Glenn, you tweeted something the other day that I thought actually hit the nail on the head. You said, uh, the senators are not the real jurors. The American people are. The people are sitting in judgment of the senators. If the senators cover up Trump's crimes by denying the American people the witnesses necessary to try the case, the people will find them guilty in November. Do you just kind of want to expand on that? Yeah, I think the the, the true jurors here are uh, the American people, I mean, e- even directly, not just kind of euphemistically, because they are the ones who are generating the poll numbers as they watch this. And those poll numbers are supposed to influence the people they elected mm-hmm. to represent them. Right. So it should directly impl- impact how these senators uh, argue or decide this, you know, should there be witnesses issue. But ultimately, I think, regardless of what the Senate does, the voters are going to flock to the polls. Yeah. I am pretty comfortable saying in unprecedented numbers, and and you know they're going there's going to be a blue wave that just crushes these corrupt Republicans. Speaking of that, do you think that maybe the House impeachment managers, because they may know that they're not going to pull the senators over to their side, that they were actually speaking to the American people, trying to change their minds and maybe get them out to the polls to change some senators? Yeah, I think they're trying to do that. And I think that's their goal. And that's why I wish, you know, look, I'm a gutter kid from Jersey. Mm -hmm. I was never all that (laughs) fancy in my oral advocacy (laughs) to juries. But in, uh, you know, on my juries, I had everybody from the the high school dropout to the scientist and you needed to appeal to everyone, you know, sort of uh, throughout that broad spectrum. So I wish they would get down in the uh, in the dirt a little bit, not not getting themselves dirty, but get but get a little common so people understand what the heck all this stuff means. Because yeah. as eloquent as these house managers can be, you know, you need to talk to the NASCAR people, the football people, the you know the the hourly wage workers. I mean, all of which is what I am a product of. I don't right. come from right. wealth. I don't come from higher education in my family. But um, so everybody needs to get what's going on here, and they need to expose the BS arguments that Trump's lawyers are laying out there that on the surface sound pretty good until you dig down and tell the American people what they really mean. Yeah, well said. You know, I thought Adam Schiff got there a little bit last night with that just compelling closing argument, you know, when he brought up what Vinman had said that, you know, in America, right matters, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, truth matters. Because if, if, if it doesn't, then the Constitution doesn't matter because you can't, how do you enforce the Constitution and how do you enforce laws if the truth doesn't matter, right? Yep, exactly, um, exactly. And Vinman was a compelling character, as was Fiona Hill, as was Ambassador Yovanovitch, as was Bill Taylor. I mean, and these are people, let's remember, who had been ordered not to testify. Right. And not only that, if you remember, Fiona Hill actually invoked on her own executive privilege when she thought a question that she was asked might divulge something that shouldn't be divulged. I mean, talk about talk about strong, honorable American heroes. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one thing I don't want people to lose sight of is how unpopular this president is and how vulnerable 
some of these Republicans are in 2020. I just did a quick search of, of the five most vulnerable Republican senators who are up for re-election in 2020. Okay, go. uh, Senator Collins, Cory Gardner, Martha McSally, Tom Tullis, and Joni Ernest all have approval ratings that are underwater. You know, and so when I look at that, you know, we need to stop giving this corrupt president and these complicit Republicans so much power, right? They, they want us to be afraid. They want yeah. us to lose hope. They want us to think nothing matters. But we know that's BS, right? Because our voices matter, our resistance matters, and most of all, our votes matter. And that's why I've wondered if McConnell at some point, if, you know, he's got his political finger up in the wind and it looks like he's running the risk of losing the Senate uh-huh. come November. I know, you know, it's tough to look into the magic eight ball and predict these things perfectly. But he I could see him walking away from Trump in a minute in order to retain. The oh, Senate. I could, too. So oh, okay. I've always been kind of I had oh. that in the back of my mind. So Mitch McConnell let's, let's would throw his thing. Happens. Mitch McConnell would throw his mother under the bus to save himself. Absolutely. Agree. Mitch McConnell is all about Mitch McConnell. <laughs> he is. So yeah. if the, it comes to the point where it's politically untenable for him to protect Donald Trump. I agree with you, Glenn. I could see him doing that. But I just think we all need to remember that if the Republicans go against the will of the American people and don't allow witnesses and don't allow a fair trial, they're only hurting themselves because like you eloquently said, like we're going to go vote them out in, 20, in, in November, on November 3rd. Yeah, they have, a, they have a dilemma to contend with right now. Two bad options, right? It's right. either put, wit, put witnesses on and expose the president's crimes and abuses for what they are or decline to put witnesses on and lose even more votes come November 2020. It's a, it's a very sweet and juicy dilemma that they're in. And uh, I, I am anxious to see how they choose. Right. And, and I would say that the, that the Democratic Party is actually in a position of strength right now. And so often we don't hear that in the mainstream media, right? It's always the Republicans that are on offense and the Democrats are on defense. I think the Democrats are on offense right now and the Republicans are on defense. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think at the end of the day, this is going to shake out in a way that will sort of produce the best results in the upcoming election. That's my hope. Mm. Not the best results in the impeachment hearing, but the best results in the upcoming election. I agree. Right. And yeah. you, you always use that hashtag, which I love, Glenn, and, and it's my favorite one, is hashtag justice is coming. Yeah. Uh, so basically, if justice isn't coming in the trial, it's coming in, in November. November at the ballot box. Yeah. And my favorite saying, or one of them about justice is Martin Luther King's, you know, the, the arc of the moral universe is long, but surely mm. it bends toward justice. And, you know, we, we're experiencing experiencing a pretty significant kink in that arc right now but Mm. it will continue to bend toward justice and these republicans will get their comeuppance right well said well hey thank you again for taking the time today i really appreciate it thanks guys all right right. thanks glenn talk to you soon see ya bye Bye. Uh, glenn is awesome glenn's always awesome i love always love talking to him i just get that little bit of hope i need yep that spark yep right to keep this moving Absolutely. Keep that blue wave rolling all the way into November. Uh, Well, before we close out the show, we have to talk about Plexiderm. Oh, yeah. New year, new me. Yep. Or new year, new wrinkles. No. No, new year, new face. Right. And we're coming up on Valentine's Day, too. And so you don't want to look all wrinkly for your Valentine. No. You want to look fresh. Yeah. So uh, Plexiderm is a a little serum. You put a little bit of it underneath your eye. In about five minutes, takes away the bags, yeah. takes away the wrinkles. Yeah, it tightens you up and makes you look really young again. All fresh and new. Yeah. So go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
Visit triplexiderm.com today and use code sexyliberal at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code sexyliberal. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Amped Up with Proud Resistor. You can uh, tweet about the episode, uh, use the hashtag amped up, yep. and make sure you go to sexyliberal.com. Check out all the podcasts. We got Stephanie Miller. Yeah, we got Frangela. We got uh, Bob Seska. He's awesome. We got, From the bunker. Yep. Jody Hamilton. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Dana Goldberg out in left field. She's great too. And uh, yeah, so we'll catch you next, next week. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 